What's up, everybody? It's Andrea. Today, we are totally triggered by this episode. Dana doesn't know when to call it, and we ask the question, what did those aliens find so fascinating about Riker? All that and more. Stay tuned. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Today, we're talking Season 6, Episode 5, Schisms. This episode was written by Jean-Louis Mathias and directed by Robert Weimer. The Enterprise crew members report that they go to sleep but wake up exhausted. Meanwhile, a mysterious subspace pocket forms inside a cargo bay. What are your initial thoughts on this one? So, as a kid, I remember thinking this one was kind of boring. Like, I didn't really get it. I was like, okay, they can't sleep. So what? Mm-hmm. Now as an adult who has experienced countless nights of poor to no sleep, I find this episode to be very eerie and disturbing. And yes. for both of those reasons, I usually skip this one. <laughs> either my memory is boring or my memory is disturbing. But neither one's like, woo, this is a good time. Yeah, I felt the same way. Um, this episode scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. And initially I was like, oh, I am not excited to watch this. I also suffer from like insomnia and other stuff like mm-hmm. Sharice does. And so this episode was just like really in a weird way. Right? It was like really triggering to yeah. see Riker just being like exhausted and like trying to get his work <laughs> together and his hair is all messed up. And you're like, mm-hmm. Riker. Okay, you're did not you notice, right friend. Did you notice they only did that for like the first 10 minutes of the episode and then he was like smooth and polished because they were like, nah, man, we can't we can't keep having Riker show up like this. Like, <laughs> I thought I that was so it. funny because you could tell he was still tired, but you he was actually disheveled in the beginning. And there was a yeah. point when they were like, I think we've established you're tired. I think you can go back to looking amazingly handsome at all yeah. times. <laughs> yeah um <laughs> i did write in my notes like at one point i wrote he shows up to duty looking pretty messed up and i wrote you couldn't run a comb through your hair real quick like you only have like three inches of hair like sharice and i both have long very very curly hair so it's mm-hmm. like a whole process yeah, but i will tell you even the days where like you know y- your alarm doesn't go off and you get up and you have exactly 0.2 seconds to like make it out the door to make it at work on time you can always throw your hair into a bun or something like Riker it takes two seconds to just comb that shit back and be like okay go <laughs> but I guess how else would we know that he's tired if his hair is not fussy we, looking? there was no way for us to know apparently because we've never seen him disheveled before and we only see it I think one more time in the episode where he loses his mind that's the yeah. second time that I can recall where we see him all disheveled. Maybe that time when he got in that really bad car, that really bad accident on that planet. But let's all, you know, mm-hmm. you remember that episode first contact? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. that's it was terrible. Don't if don't watch that episode if you don't know what we're talking about. It was very <laughs> bad. Um. Anyways, so as we get into the episode, um, we find out that Riker can't sleep, <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. Yeah, know what that feels like. I don't know. I just felt very like a lot of camaraderie with all the characters in this episode who were just like, I just closed my eyes and I opened them and it's time. I was just like, yeah. I mean, thankfully, that's not what I'm experiencing at this moment at the time of this recording. But it has happened in the past and it's just, it is the worst. You know, in my experience though, and probably same for you too, Andrea, is that when I have those sleepless nights, it's like I feel every minute of the sleeplessness. Yeah, yeah. And then the alarm goes off. Mm-hmm. But here, I feel like it's almost worse because they close their eyes and then the alarm goes off. So it's like they don't even feel the time ticking by. It's have just, you ever had that happen? No. 
Oh God, I have. I've had that happen where like my exhaustion is so severe. I like crash and don't move the whole night. And when my alarm goes off, I feel like Riker when he's like, what do you mean? Good morning. Like I just closed my eyes and it has been so bad. There have been times that I have wanted to call out from work and be like, I can't explain this insomnia, something, something, but it feels like 10 seconds has passed. And when my alarm goes off, I'm like, what malfunction is this? And then when I do see it's like time to get up, I start crying because I'm so exhausted and just like, oh God. Like, and then, you know, you have like a, like a 15 hour period before you can get back into bed again. It's like, please, please. No, like you just start kind of losing your mind. It's awful. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Riker's tossing and turning. And I thought, wow, insomnia is still a thing in the 24th century. That's there's gotta be a hypo spray for that. Come on, Beverly. There's got to be. I mean, I take, I take, two Benadryl a night to sleep, which it's the allergy medicine. It just makes me drowsy. And then I can knock out, Mm -hmm. but God, I mean, in this day and age, there's like all kinds of pills to help you sleep. You would think in the 21st century, that wouldn't even be a thing, but whatever. Um, He shows up to duty looking ultra messed up, you know, his hair is all over the place. He didn't have time to comb it even. Um, And they're in this uh, Anagosa diaspora star cluster. Which Ooh. I was like, another cool name. And That's it goes to diaspora. Cool I missed that altogether. Right. And I was like, I thought a diaspora was something else, but I didn't even bother looking it up. <laughs> I gotta be <laughs> honest. Sorry, guys. You know how I love to do a deep dive. But this one, I was like, that sounds cool. It probably means something else. Okay, whatever. Moving on. Um, the star cluster, though, is so vast. It will take three days just to chart 10% of it. So they're like, we got to come up with some sort of technology to help boost the sensors. Because we can't be here for, you know, 30 days. 17 years. Yeah. yeah or whatever. Mm-hmm. Trying to, yeah. Now, do you notice that Data has his first poetry reading? Come on. Yes. I was like, oh, this is the one. I, oh, I was so excited about this. The Ode to Spot? <laughs> the Ode to Spot is the only poem I ever remember Data doing. Mm. And I don't even know if he does this again or if this is a one-off, but this is like such a strong memory for me is the Ode to Scott, to Scott, to Spot. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> this scene of Data reading his poem was just so Data. And it was so great. Like, he so finished perfect. it so... So, you know, Riker, Data reminds Riker, like, oh, I have a poetry reading. And and Riker's like, yeah, 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 I'll be there. I'll be there. And he's, like, barely able to keep his eyes open now, let alone at a poetry reading. So fast forward to the poetry reading, in 10 forward, but it's, like, rearranged to look like a different place. So, you know, it's in the poetry reading spot. And Data finishes his eighth poem. And everyone starts clapping. Uh. And everyone stands up. And then he goes, for my ninth poem. And everyone's like, oh, sits back down i was like you guys are all being way too polite like data it's the can collective take it. it's the collective groan of the crowd which i think is hilarious <laughs> also data if anybody it... whose feelings won't be hurt by this it's data you could be like data um we've all sort of reached our limit let's pick this up again another day or something yeah hey data thanks so much we're gonna catch the second part of this act, maybe next week. Let's circle back around mm-hmm. to that. Okay. Over Sumerian sunsets. Let's do Thanks it. Thanks, everybody, yes. for coming. If everybody stood up and started clapping and Data's like, I'm not quite. And everybody's like, fantastic. Great job. Okay. See you next week. And everybody leaves and mouse. What's Data going to do? He's going to be like, but, be I, like, but I, yes. Okay. I was not finished with my poetry, but I guess I will at another time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like he would have just been like, <laughs> okay, there's nothing he would have done. 
But yeah, the Ode to Spot, like if you have not seen this episode in a while, it's worth watching that part and maybe not the rest (laughs) if you, like us, are triggered by insomnia I hate this episode. Um, I hate it. But that that was great. And poor Riker, he he is completely asleep. He's completely asleep in his chair sitting in the first row. Why is he in the first row? We don't know. Because he is completely asleep. And Troy's like nudging him and like trying to make him wake up. And, you know, at one point he just totally knocks out i think his head's like on her shoulder mm-hmm. and she's like <clears throat> you know wakes him up and he gets startled and he starts applauding right in the middle of the ode to spot during complete silence <laughs> yes when it's so not much. the time to clap and then he not. looks around he's like and there's like context clues right he looks around and everybody's looking at him and he's like <clears throat> uh, and you're like oh buddy but again yeah. data probably is not going to be offended by, <laughs> by yes. the fact that you and it's not like he fell asleep because it was boring even though technically we are on poem number nine. Yeah. He fell asleep because he has not experienced sleep. I forget what he says later in the episode, but for like days. Like mm-hmm. he has he just feels like it's he has been not days. slept for so long. Well, Ugh. he he does go to Beverly to figure out why he can't sleep. And he seems to be lacking REM sleep. And of course, this one I did a little dive on. Rapid eye movement, which is REM sleep, or it's sometimes called stage R sleep, usually starts about 90 minutes after you fall asleep, brain activity increases, your eyes dart around quickly, um, and your pulse, blood pressure, and breathing all speed up. This is also where you do all your dreaming or most of your dreaming. And REM sleep is super important for learning and memory, which is remember that episode where like the Enterprise came across like a ship that was like everybody was dead inside. Mm-hmm. And it turns out like they couldn't dream and they couldn't yeah. s- get into Two REM sleep. So circling. They- yeah. Oh, was it that one? Ugh. Yeah, it was that okay. One. Yep. Yeah. So um that is super important because like watch for that learning one either, guys. Yeah, that one, <laughs> that one was dude, even worse. No, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> but it is even worse than this one. At least this one's like a real mystery, not like two moons circling. What okay, whatever. Now I'm like angry all over again thinking about that one. But you can tell neither of us have had a snack. Yeah, how like snarky we are in this episode. I think I'm hangry. Yeah. (laughs) REM sleep is important for learning and memory. So if you're struggling, this is this is why, like, if you haven't had a good night's sleep in a long time, you're more scatterbrained. It's harder to kind of, you know, it's easier to forget things. It's harder to remember key important things. So learning and memory are really, really affected by lack of REM sleep. So definitely get your hours in. Yes, um, that's like you might have heard like mom brain or like dad brain. I've never heard mm-hmm. dad brain, but I'm sure that's a thing too. Um, yeah. par- parents of newborns get like zero sleep and yeah. that's why you're scatterbrained because your your brain is literally doing too much and not getting a chance to rest. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to say it's the baby's fault, but... The baby's fault. That's rough. That's rough. And yeah. Andrea and I have experienced sleeplessness without kids. So it's just rough all around. Like, it's mm-hmm. no fun for anybody. No, In any no, case, no. Riker goes to Beverly. Beverly gives him, of all things, a hot milk toddy. And again, where's the effing hypo spray? Thank You're you. You're kidding me. It's the 21st century. Me the best shit? you can do is a hot toddy with some milk in it? What? And then she was like, <laughs> well, milk has this relaxing blah, blah, blah. I was like, what? Like, yeah. that whole thing of drink hot milk when you're tired never set well with me. I think it's weird. I don't like milk when it's hot. <laughs> it's just a strange concept all around for me. It's the same thing when people are like, eat a carrot. It makes your eyesight better. And it's like, okay, yeah, vitamin mm-hmm. A does involve eyesight, but that connection doesn't You would have to eat make sense like to me. 20 football fields worth of carrots to get any kind of improvement in your... Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? My I will say my mom has never had trouble sleeping. So whenever I describe like, oh, I didn't fall asleep until 4 a.m. and I had to get up at six to go to work. I feel really exhausted. She's like, well, did you try closing your eyes? Did you and drink like, some no. milk? 
I didn't yeah. try closing my eyes. Like, I tried going to sleep with my eyes try. open. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for some but reason it didn't work. <laughs> I will say when I was younger, my mom would make me like warm milk before bed. And it was actually like really comforting and soothing. It kind of makes you feel cozy. But I'm at the point in my sleep, like, you know, my sleep issues that I could take two Tylenol PMs, no effect at all. Like mm-hmm. that can take down you know an what elephant, you need. and I'm like nothing at all. Like I'm not even you need, drowsy. You need a hot toddy with some milk, and that's yeah. going to do more than the Tylenol PMs. Can ever I get could. a hypo spray? Come on, Beverly. You have <laughs> solved death. You could certainly solve sleeplessness <laughs> with but transporters. For some reason, with transporters, come on. And how many times have you snatched people from the jaws of death with, you know, healing their DNA, curing a virus, all this crazy yeah. stuff? Something, we something. Have, we have no way to help people sleep. Yeah, I call BS on that one. Also, I would think, you know what? I know we're like totally derailing, but like, I do think that because there isn't a circadian rhythm because you're out in deep space, you would think like everybody's sleep would be topsy-turvy and that would be like priority number one to Mm -hmm. make sure that everybody was on like a healthy sleep cycle. And I imagine like different species react differently to space travel, different species Mm -hmm. have different circadian rhythms. Like sleep is a major priority. How has Beverly not, how has like the universe at this this. point not come (laughs) up with something? Yeah. We're being hard on Beverly, but really Starfleet should have had this together before Beverly came along. Yeah, like science should have had this. I will say, and yeah, we're totally getting off the rails, but this is so interesting. So I hope you guys are loving this. Um, So (laughs) I will say in The Expanse, which is a series of books and a show um, that I'm obsessed with, they talk about this because in space travel, there's, you know, there's no sunlight regulating their time. And so Mm -hmm. they have different shifts depending on the size of the ship. So let's say the ship has like enough crew to have three different shifts. Each ship is on their own circadian time. So they wake up at a certain time. They have their breakfast at that time. Like they do the same things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're on completely different kind of like time zones, even though they're in the same ship. And it's all like, um, you know, it's all, I want to say inauthentic. It's all artificial. Like the lighting in their rooms, all the stuff is artificial. The time when they go to the mess hall so that they stay on those rhythms, which I thought was like so such a genius thing for the authors to think through because it never occurred to me until like, you know, a moment like this where you're like, wait a minute, aren't people from like different planet system, planetary systems? Mm -hmm. And like, Mm -hmm. isn't there a night shift? And in any case, uh, this has not been solved. So so Riker gets no help. Yeah, (laughs) basically. Yeah. Okay. Next thing you know, we go to engineering. And Jordy is really excited because he's created this new sensor array that's going to help mm-hmm. map the the um, cluster like mm-hmm. really, really fast. And he wants to call it the LaForge array or something like that, which is so cute. Um, <laughs> so he's excited about that. He tells some rans- rans- random ensign, go ahead and pull that up online. They're going to get it going. It's going to be amazing. And while the ensign is off doing that and everyone's kind of tinkering, Data comes to him and is like, can I ask you a personal question? I would love some honest feedback on my poem and Jordy responds in the very I'd be like gotta go (laughs) (laughs) that's when you just close zip up something really hard and then walk out um yeah so so Jordy has a very politically correct response that you would need for like that a human would totally accept which I love this scene so much where he's just like well I forget exactly what he says but he says something like Oh, he's like, it was, yeah, it was, it was really clever. And I liked your use of iambic pentameter or something like that. Like he's, he gives positive feedback Mm -hmm. about random things, but doesn't answer Data's question about whether or not poems were good. And so (laughs) he like, he like nods happily and goes back to his pad and Data's like, thank you. And you didn't answer my question. It's like, yeah, nice try. Now, if he was a human, he would have been like, oh, thanks, Jordy. That was me. Loved it. Right. But Data doesn't fall for that. So he's like, but did it connect emotionally? 
And no. Cody's like trying to find something good he can He's say like, about it. Didn't, these it might have, it couldn't. Yeah, no. he goes, well, your your words were clever and the rhymes were clever and the content was clever. And like, he can't even think of another word besides clever. And then he goes, <laughs> but no, it did not evoke an emotional response. I'm sorry. And but Dana was like, I just want to know so I can improve. I'm like, he's, you're not going to hurt his feelings. I mean, don't be a jerk like Pulaski, but you're not going to hurt his feelings. Just be honest with him. Be honest with Data. He's like the only person in Starfleet you can be totally honest with at all times. I actually, And he will take that in a good way. I actually wrote, this is a place where Pulaski could actually be helpful. She's not concerned about his feelings. He doesn't have any feelings. So she could be like, you know what? The iambic pentameter was clever, but it lacked any emotional response. You may want to try X, Y, Z. She wouldn't feel any kind of way about it. He wouldn't feel any kind of way about it. Moving on. But Mm -hmm. I think we often go so far to spare someone's feelings that it waters down the message where it's like, I've experienced that in the last year or two where it's like, you're just sugarcoating and sugarcoating and sugarcoating to not hurt someone's feelings. And then finally you're like, look, um, after 45 minutes of like fiddling around with wording, the answer is no. (laughs) (laughs) That's all you had to say, you know, and to data, it's like, this is a great time to talk to someone who doesn't have feelings. So you don't have to worry about hurting them, you know, but while they're doing this sensors detect a massive EPS explosion in cargo bay four. So they're like, oh my God, medical security, everything. Let's descend on cargo bay four. And they all crowd the doorway and they open it up. Phases are out, tricoders are out. And there's four guys working in there like nothing. And they're like, huh? Yeah, that was a great scene. So these guys are just working in there like nothing. And it's like, what the heck was going on? Which I did think was kind of funny because you see like Warp and a security team and Beverly and Jordy and Data. And these guys are like carrying some like kegs around or whatever. Yeah. Hello? Like, can we help? (laughs) Seems like a sensor malfunction. (laughs) Um, But but Riker's like, you know what? Let's just go ahead and do a level three diagnostic on all systems to make sure what the heck that was because it was a false Mm -hmm. alarm. But he does tell Jordy as he walks out of there, he's like, Jordy, I have been having the hardest time with sleep lately. Like the second my head hits the pillow, it's time to get up. I feel like I haven't slept at all. I'm exhausted. Can you come get me at 0700 hours? And Jordy's like, sure thing. I'll see you at 0700. Now, Riker gets into his like silk deep V-neck pajamas and gets in the bed. <laughs> and like a second later, the doorbell rings and Riker's like, oh, I just got into bed. Like what could they possibly need? And Jordy comes in and he's like, good morning. And Riker's like, good morning. I literally just got into bed. Like, I just laid down. Like, and he's like, uh, Commander, it's 0700 hours. And so that's and we it's see like, it from his uh-oh. perspective, too, because we see him say, okay, thanks, Jordy. See you later. And you see him like turn off the lights, lay mm-hmm. down on the bed. And it's like, doo-doo-doo. And like we see that there's been like 30 seconds have passed. So you think maybe mm-hmm. he forgot something or. Yeah. yeah and Jordy's yeah. just looking fresh as a peach. Like, hey, you ready to go? You're like, what? Yes. He, what? He didn't even yeah. close his eyes yet. Yeah. And this was and this was where I actually wrote. Uh oh, because it's like something. This is beyond like something is greater is happening beyond just like I'm tossing and turning. Now, we actually get to see for the last time. Mott the barber. This is the last time. This is the last time we see so him. Worf comes in for a little trim and Mott immediately irritates the crap out of him, which I was like, sure, sure, sure. That sounds like Worf So and Mott. wait a minute. Have we only seen Mott on this whole show like twice? I think so. I actually Holy moly, that's that crazy. This is, the, this is the last time he appears on TNG. And I was like, oh, like I Maybe actually really like movies. that slice of life. 
Yeah, I hope so. Now, as Amat is clipping his hair with his scissors, because he's like just a teeny tiny bit. And Mott was like, yeah, you caught me. Like the last time I got a little scissor happy and I cut too much hair off, but like Klingons just have such like lush thick hair. So he grabs the scissors and he's like, snip, 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 snip. And Worf immediately has this like visceral reaction and grabs Mott's wrist and eyeballs the scissors. He is completely freaked out. And Mott's like, I, I, I was just going to do a little off the top. Like he said, like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Mott is like terrified. He's like, I promise. I promise. I just made a, little. a Klingon I mad. Yeah, yeah, I, I made a cling on too much. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, you can imagine because Mott was just like, doop, 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 doop. And suddenly now Worf has him in this death grip. And he's like, I don't know what I did. I don't know what I said, but I am sorry for everything. Yes. And then Worf just storms <laughs> off. And you're like, whew, okay, well, <laughs> that turned out better than it could have. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Yeah, he walks out and he's freaked out. Now in Cargo Bay 4, Jordy and Riker are checking on the sensors. And Jordy's having trouble getting a good night's sleep as well now. So it seems like whatever is happening, it is spreading. Yeah, and it seems so, like it's contagious insomnia, which is yeah, not a thing. No. So that is a time, that's a moment but to be like, wait terrifying. a minute. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's terrifying like, as an idea. Exactly. Yeah. Don't this come should not be a thing. with your insomnia, yeah. <laughs> now, Jordy's visor, turns out, it's cutting in and out. And so he goes to Beverly and he's like, this is the second time it's happened. And Beverly is able to detect an infection in his neural pathways. And it's unlike any bacteria she has on file, which is really scary because my first thought of bacterial infection is like septicemia. Right. And like, if you don't have the right antibiotics for that particular strain, you can't treat it and the patient can die very quickly. So it's like, oh my right. God, really So scary. septicemia for our non-medical peeps is a blood infection of bacteria, which is bad because your blood goes absolutely everywhere. If anything yes. else gets infected, like you get a cut and just so your skin gets infected, that part can always be fixed, repaired, or removed. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if your blood gets infected, we got a problem. That's it. Yeah. So that's it's a big usually, deal. It's usually an infection somewhere that gets into that the blood and then mm-hmm. spreads. And once it's in the blood and spreading, there's really nothing that doctors can do, you know, without yeah, I mean, early detection. And like, right. There you know, are lots but of, once it gets yeah. to a certain stage, like once once a patient has gone septic, that's it. It's and bad. It's, it's very bad. We it's don't very want that bad to And it's very, very fast. So I was like, ooh, that's no good. So he has an infection right around the um, place where his visor connects to his forehead. So it is an infection like in his head, but not necessarily in his brain or in his blood. So you're kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, or his eyes. So you're like, okay, well, the infection, there is an infection, but it doesn't feel like he's going to die anytime soon. It's just like a very minor thing. But it's also curious, like, how could that have happened? And it's a strain we've never seen. Where did it come from? So there's just some kind of unanswered questions. And there's a hypospray for that, apparently. So she gives that to Jordy and is like, all right, like, you'll be fine. You can go back to work. So he heads back to Cargo Bay and he's like, all right, Data, how are things going? And Data's just like, did you forget something? He's like, what do you mean? He's like, you've only been gone for one minute and 15 seconds. And Jordy's like, I've been gone for an hour and a half. Like I got scans. I got hypo sprayed. I took a nap. I went for a walk. And then I came back. What are you took talking the long about? Way back. Yeah. I took the long way back. I went down to the bottom of the ship, came up to the top of the ship, like all the stuff. And I arrived like, here via Jeffrey's tube, buddy. Like it's been <laughs> a trip. Jeffrey's tubes. Here, can you imagine? <laughs> and, and Dana's just like, uh, not according to my internal chronometer. And Jordy's like, uh, maybe you need to check your internal chronometer. Yeah. And Dana's like, oh my gosh, yes. I'm like, I sync myself to the ship so that we always have the same time the same frame of reference. And I noticed that there's like 90 minutes missing Mm -hmm. and I cannot account for it. That's when I was like, oh crap. Like not when Jordy was tired too. Cause at first I was like, oh no, this like insomnia is contagious. That's terrible. But when data had, had it happen, because the thought I had when we saw that Jordy was tired and dizzy 
was, well, good thing they have data because data can't be affected. Mm-hmm. That's the thought I had. Mm-hmm. And then the very next scene, data was affected. I was like, oh, crap. Wait mm-hmm. a minute. How? How could they have? There's how? Like, he's such a different being from all the other beings. How did they do that? And I don't have mm-hmm. an answer for that. Star Trek tends to fall into this trope where, like, the crew is affected by something and Data's the only one not affected. So he's usually the one that has to come in with the 11th hour save or, like, he's the only one who knows what's going on, you know. But, like, I love that he is just as susceptible to whatever is happening, which I call the weirdening. Like, he's just as susceptible to the weirdening as everybody else, which I love because that is, like, a new element. Mm -hmm. Normally, it's, like, everyone's affected except Data. And when everybody finally, eventually becomes unconscious, Data will pilot the ship himself. Himself. So it's like, what right. do we need you guys for? So I we love know. that he was part of this. Yeah. Now, there's another sensor glitch in Cargo Bay 4. And it seems like there's some sort of like interdimensional portal in the Cargo Bay wall. And they call it a spatially inverted Tetrion emission. It's sort of like finding antimatter in the walls. And you're like, hmm, this should not exist in this universe. Mm -hmm. So it's some sort of like space time continuum flip where it's like a portal to some other dimension or some other something. Reach or tear. Yeah. And um, how cool is all that? Like the, the techno babble is so cool. You're just like, spatially "Mm -hmm, inverted Tetrion emission. Yes. Just me. It's tracking. Totally legit. So it opens and we don't know what it is or how it could possibly be here. But we're thinking it's maybe not good. <laughs> so right yeah. now they're like, you know, they show Picard. And he's like, is it is this dangerous to the Enterprise? This is going to like hurt us. And um, Jordy's like, not right now. I say we just kind of coordinate off. And, you know, if it looks like it's spreading or if it looks like it's going to endanger the Enterprise in any way, we'll just beam the whole bulkhead into space. Mm-hmm. And like erect and a force set up field a force into space. Field. Yeah, totally so we'll be fine. So everybody's like, okay, cool. We'll just like keep an eye on this because we are explorers and this is definitely unique. Yeah, no, this is this is very unique. Now, while this is happening too, Riker is experiencing more of that weirdening feeling where like he he sits at the con and kind of touches the con panel and it's very smooth and he's like, I, I, I don't like this. And he kind of pulls like a wharf with a scissors yes. move and just mm-hmm. is like, um, I got to get out of here. Now, I love that this is a time where people can go just casually chat with a mental health professional and there's no sort of stigma about it, which I Mm -hmm. wish that one day that would happen here on earth. But Riker goes to Deanna with this intense emotional response provoked by that object, the con panel and Worf is reporting the same thing with the scissors. Mm -hmm. Um, As an aside, the hair team, have you noticed they've done something different with Deanna's hair in the last few episodes and like her hair has been arranged kind of like a sphere around her head. And then she has like a low ponytail. And I got to tell you, I am not digging this look on her at all. You know, it's so funny. I didn't notice, but hair is a big thing in Hollywood has always Mm -hmm. been. Mm -hmm. And Deanna's hair specifically, because it's so long and voluptuous and they're trying to create a certain kind of character with it. They're always messing with it. And sometimes it is a hit and sometimes it is a miss that same style though, of the big bowl they mm-hmm. tried it in Voyager with Captain Janeway because it was supposed to be a futuristic look. So they put this mm-hmm. big bowl on top of her head of hair. <laughs> and that lasted for one season and never again. Because I think everybody was like, why is there a bowl on the top of her head? <laughs> so they just went with like a nice, simple bob. Like very, very like plain Jane. Nothing fancy or futuristic. Just plain hair. I think that it's plain Janeway, hype. actually. Plain Janeway. 
<laughs> and then they what they did was the other female characters on the show, they would do really crazy things with their hair. But it was like the big bowl with the little ponytail in the middle that's supposed to look like a really futuristic um pumpkin, I guess. Yeah. It just didn't <laughs> Future it didn't pumpkin. give the vibes it was trying to give, I guess. No, this, I was like, Deanna, and it was in last week's episode and this week's episode. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, next this week we might not, be back got, to the like, weird curly sideburns. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> anyway, but Deanna is a great counselor. She gets Jordy, Worf, Riker, and the random lady from the poetry reading together. And they're all sort of piecing together things that they've been seeing. And I love that they were like, you know, there might be a better place for us to go where we can kind of visualize all of this together. Mm -hmm. So you head to the holodeck and this is the scene that scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. And I got to be honest with you, still scares the shit out of me today. They end up being like computer, give me a table about two meters long, put it at a tilt. No, the table's not wood. It's metal. And it's a, you know, like a reticulated table that's got like hinges and then there's this like panel that's a restraint panel and a bright light in your eyes and then the scissors that Worf was seeing is like kind of like a lopsided scissor or one side looks like a regular scissor but like serrated and the other side looks like a giant metal claw it's super scary and then girl it's the sounds they put these like mm-hmm. clicking sounds in and then they're like louder louder more more mm-hmm. more and the poor woman is like covering her ears and I was like, oh, oh, like I got a serious dose of the heebie-jeebies. I was like, this mm. is so scary. And they were like, we've all been here before. And it's like, nope, 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 nope. Now we know that somebody is like abducting people. Yeah. So, so uh-uh. the sounds were the sounds were really creepy. They were clicking sounds. And oh, if you did have such ever a great seen, job with that, they did. And you know, we talked before in the show briefly about. Um, the Sheliac, how they wanted them to be like this insect-like species and yes. this other group where they wanted them to be an insect-like species and they couldn't make the costume work. So they just never saw the species. And yeah. then there was like a third time they tried to do insects and it just didn't work because, you know, we always have human actors playing these roles. Like without really good CGI and stuff, it's hard to get shapes yeah. Yeah. that are not, you know, a biped shape, like a human yes. shape. It's yes. hard, really totally. hard to do insect unless it's like super giant. So the clicking sound very much reminded me of insects. And I thought this is a great way to bring in the insect feel without having to do an insect costume. And the same sound is the sound that I remember from the horror movie Mimic, which was all about giant insects. <laughs> like it was mm. that clicky, clicky sound. And it was like really creepy. Now, while this whole scene freaked Andrea out, it had the opposite effect on me. I was like, Wow, imagine a day where you can just tell the computer whatever you want and it just like yeah. makes stuff. I was like, this yes. is amazing because like if you notice in this scene, which I guess is just kind of a maybe a some kind of a loophole or some something that's a little bit missing in the way that the computer works is that sometimes you can give it very vague instructions and it's a-okay with that. Other times you have to give it really specific instructions or it doesn't know what you're talking about. So like sometimes they're like cold water and it'll be like yeah. specify the temperature and they have to be like yes. four degrees Celsius. But then other times I'll be like hot tea and it'll be like, okay. So like I noticed that in this scene a lot where they were like lower lights and it was like, okay. And then they were like show a table and it was like, what kind of table? Like sometimes mm-hmm. it just was too vague. Sometimes it was too broad. But with my particular listening device, I feel like it's getting to that level, right? Where I can tell it because Andrea put me onto these smart lights. So now I have Oh my God, they're so cool. Room. Do you love them? I do. I do. I'm still learning how to get the most out of them. Okay. Um, one of the thing that I love the most is they have a circadian rhythm feature. 
So yeah. the lights kind of brighten throughout the day and then they dim at night. Mm-hmm. And I do feel legitimately, really nice. yeah, I do feel legitimately sleepy as it, as the end of the day comes because the lights lower. So like that is the dopest thing ever, but sometimes I want to play my Sudoku and it's at a time at night where circadian rhythm says my lights should be too low. So I'll just say listening device, make my lights brighter and it'll be mm-hmm. like, okay. And it's like, and it just makes it brighter. I don't have to say yeah. specify 20 degrees, you know, 20% yes. brighter. And I'm yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. We are so close to holodeck technology. We're just we really like, are. oh, we're on the cusp and I want it so bad. Like, I honestly, I want the replicators really bad. Um, And holodeck like second bad because my Oculus feels like the holodeck. But like, I really yeah. want replicators. Like, I, I really want replicators. Oof. I really want transporters because that would make travel around yes. the world just like so accessible. And, and I would love that. And mm-hmm. hyposprays and like. Yeah, holodeck would be amazing. Can we all get on this? Can somebody just get on this? And I will just, put the, put it in know, the go on me. Like, let's just do a Kickstarter for this bad boy. So anyways, that's what I felt at this scene. I was just like, wow, look at everything that this holodeck can do. This mm-hmm. is amazing. So I think And it has this like on. amazing library of things, like a table yes. that's tilted, amazing. but a metal one and a wood one and a light. Yes. Now this clicking sound, I do want to talk about for a minute. I did some reading. Co-producer Wendy News, sound editor Jim Wolvington, one of the coolest names I've ever heard, and supervising <laughs> sound editor Bill Winstrom were tasked with creating the clicking language for the aliens. And Wendy Ness recalled that it was among, like, one of the coolest and funniest experiences that she had on The Next Generation. And she said that, like, quote, we had decided what kind of clicks we wanted with Rick Berman and Peter Lauritsen at the spotting session. Then the three of us actually sat there one night and wrote a script in English and then transposed it into clicks. We wanted it to be organic, not yes. synthesized. We had a cadence to it. We decided where the clicks should be and what kind of feeling they should have. Then we brought in the group of like actors to do it. So in addition to the individual clickers we had group clicking so you can see four or five people clicking really intently and i just had to leave the stage with like i can't believe i'm doing this which i thought was so cool but if you having read that and then watching the scene in the holodeck with the clicking i was like god yeah it doesn't sound mechanical it does sound like a language totally sounds like a language and i was like oh my god this is so terrifying um this is also one of the first times that we're getting the idea that Maybe it's not sleep that they're lacking. They might, you know, with this substance-based terror, they might be traveling someplace not within this universe, and they might be being abducted. They like they might be abducted to go there. Like something is wrong because all of the feelings that they have in the holodeck, as they're realizing we've all been here before, it's a very menacing space, and they're all incredibly uneasy and triggered about it. So this is not a place that they're willingly going, and good things are happening. It's like some sort of hellscape. Especially with the random woman who we don't even find out her name, who's like freaking out when she's like, oh, the sounds, the sounds. You're like, oh, this is very bad. Like, this isn't just like, oh, yeah, it was like a clicking sound. Like, it's not just like reminiscing. But it's reminiscing with terror and dread, which mm-hmm, is the craziest mm-hmm. part because it's their subconscious that recalls all of this. Yeah. Because they have no, you know, it's just a vague sense of shiny. It's a vague sense of sharp. Yeah. It's a vague yeah. sense of click. But as they start to put the pieces together, then it becomes a real thing. This is kind of like when nightmares become real. When you're like, oh, that yes. was just a, it was just a dream. It was just a dream. Yeah. But then when other people have had the exact same dream, then you're like, what you're the like, F? Uh-oh. And yeah, I really uh-oh. appreciate in this scene that. At no point at all does Troy say, hey, guys, you you are all tired and stressed and we have a lot of away missions and blah, 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 blah. 
her immediate mm-hmm. thing is like, let's get to the bottom of this. I mm-hmm. believe all of you. This is <laughs> just this like right okay. here. I feel like the theme, I mean, obviously, like the theme of this episode is like alien ab- abduction. Right. But I think that the sub theme to this is like the power of communication. Because mm-hmm. if Worf, Data, Jordy, and Riker had not all sat down and communicated like this just vaguely creepy sense they've been feeling, mm-hmm. nobody would have put this together. Mm-hmm. Worf would have been triggered by the scissors, but didn't know why. Mm-hmm. Jordy would have been whatever and didn't know why, right? So I love that this is like, this is what good communication does. Like so many times I watch like a movie or a show or I read a book where like this weird mystery is happening and a bunch of people are noticing it, but none of them are actually talking to each other. And so everybody just goes along feeling vaguely unsettled until somebody gets like murdered or something. And you're like, see, <laughs> if I would have just sat down and like been like, are you also- No one needed to die, me? people. Yeah, totally pointless. <laughs> Now, Beverly does some more scans and finds some heightened levels of cortisol, which is a stress, it's a stress hormone. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, something has been going on. Data, meanwhile, finds that he was indeed off the Enterprise for nearly 90 minutes, just off the Enterprise. And Picard is like, okay, computer, uh, it, how many people are currently on the Enterprise? And we find out that two people are missing. Not on the Enterprise anywhere and not anywhere close to where the Enterprise is. So it's like, oh, my God. Right. Because it's not like near a planet or a ship or anything. It's just like so in the star cluster. There's nothing gone. out there. They're gone. Disappeared from, from space and time, which is crazy. They've totally disappeared. Now, Beverly actually does a nano scan and finds that Riker's arm has been amputated and surgically reattached to within 0.02 microns. So it's off by just a tiny bit. And I wrote in my notes, oh, my effing god like this is so terrifying also thank god for 24th century technology because once your arm is amputated baby it's gone that's it right that's true but apparently in the future we can put your arm back almost perfectly however we have not solved insomnia so we got some pros we got some cons some stuff to work on oh right Um, you're so right Now, in the cargo bay, (laughs) these tetrion emissions have intensified and coalesced as a point of subspace energy. It's the the beginning of like we can't beam it off now, and we can't force field it forever. Should have beamed where we when we could. We had the chance. Yep. Yeah. No. It's the beginning of this big subspace rupture and modulating. Like someone on the other side is controlling the energy, which is actually where the name of this episode comes from. Schism is like a rupture or a tear. Mm-hmm. So they're like referencing this tear in subspace. And if they don't get it under control, it's going to rupture the hole and there will be not enough force field space to like cover the damage. So we now we've got like a ticking time. And it's some kind of hook. Get down like they can't just drive. They can't just fly away. There's some kind of hook with this thing. That yeah. if they move, it'll cause more damage or something. Or maybe they can't move. I don't remember the, the or maybe they of that. Can, I'm not sure. Maybe if they move, it just moves with it. Like it's embedded itself on the ship now. And it's something like, like that. Something, something where they can't get rid of it and they can't get away from it, which is so unfortunate. Yeah. And they're trying to shut it. And as they try to shut it, something counteracts everything that they do. And that's how they mm-hmm. discover there is an intelligence on the other side of this rift that is literally causing this rift and trying Keeping to make it, it bigger. Because it's stopping us every time we attempt to close it, Mm -hmm. which just makes you think these people, you know, a lot of times when they come into contact with alien species, we don't know if they're good or not, or, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't know anything. Mm -hmm. And Starfleet's approach is always, we come in peace. We're friends, which, okay. Um, But this time there's definitely this sense of malevolence. There's a sense of darkness from the way that the, you know, the, the instruments that they use on people, the, 
creepy, you know, the creepy kidnapping that happens in the middle of the night. They don't take them when they're on shift. They take yeah. them when they are asleep in their beds. The way that they like yes. chop off their arm and put their arm back. Like there is this, this darkness to what these yes. aliens are trying to do where it's like, mm, I don't think they want to be friends. And I don't think they're just curious. Like they're damaging and don't care. So yeah. we need to oh, stop yeah. this immediately and try to get our crewmen back. A hundred percent. Now, the missing crewman actually reappears in his quarters. And I guess there's some sort, you know, Worf is like now scanning for this person. So right. as soon as they reappear, it's like, Captain, they're back. Beverly rushes over and this, ugh, it still gives me such creeps. The man actually comes like falling out of his door and dies in her arms. And his blood has turned into a polymer, like a plastic. Like it's basically, yeah, congealed. Which yes. equals death. Yes, mm-hmm. which actually reminds me a lot of um, scuba divers have to be very, very careful about getting the bends. If you surface too quickly, the nitrogen in your blood will like foam and froth. Mm. And so your blood will turn into like a very fine, like cappuccino foam, what? which obviously That's cannot. Disgusting. Yes. Yeah. It's disgusting and it's terrifying because with the bends also comes like a lot of um, panic and um, you get totally disoriented. So people will try mm. to like swim up too fast because now they're panicking, which makes the bends even worse. Right. Or they'll panic and swim down and then get disoriented and, run panicking. Out of air and die. Right. Right. Yes. Because they're panicking, which is really, really scary. So yeah, their blood becomes like a, like a really like fine a foam, foam mm. which is too thick to like flow as it normally should. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, the same so, thing happens, yeah. not the foam, but this same kind of congealing that happened to this poor crewman happens with, um, with fatal diarrhea. So if you have what? studied microbiology, oh, like I have- If you get too dehydrated? Yeah. If you have diarrhea, there's such a thing as fatal diarrhea, which most of us in the United States have never even heard of because it doesn't yeah, get that it far. Sounds, it sounds like funny until you're yeah, like, sounds oh ridiculous. God, people actually sounds, die from this. Exactly. It sounds ridiculous. You're like, how could Holy you, how could shit. that happen? But what happens is diarrhea is when the water is not being removed from your intestines like it's supposed to be and going into your blood- yes. Yeah. So it so that's what makes your stool watery or makes your poop watery, right? Mm-hmm. So extreme diarrhea, like fatal oh diarrhea, God. is when all the liquid is go is not going into your bloodstream. So your blood thickens like a gel. It can't be pumped that <sighs> way, and your heart stops and you die, which is crazy because you're like, how could anyone die of diarrhea of all things? But that's yeah. how it's just not enough water in your system. Yeah, you so dehydrate. Some, oh yeah, my you're just gosh. too dehydrated. And because so, I asked my teacher that when I was in college, I was like what's fatal diarrhea how could it be and then he explained it and i was that like oh sounds, gosh i wish i wouldn't have like asked something from like a like a raunchy comedy or something and then yeah like, it oh sounds unreal which is like just shows you how privileged we are in in the yeah, country that we live in that we have never even yeah. had to had to even worry about that but seeing this crewman like collapse and hearing how it happened it's it's a brutal death they could yeah. have just yeah. killed him for crying out loud just kill him don't like Make him suffer and like have a heart attack to death. Like you could have just killed the man and made it faster. So, and we see that they've killed this man and they still have not returned the other crewman. So you're just yes. like, okay. So like, now we have at least one person dead. It's totally clear one that of someone, yeah, someone is abducting crew members and doing experiments on them. And I actually thought this was another awesome take on aliens in Star Trek because there are aliens that are enemies, right? Like Cardassians, Romulans, things like that. But this is just pure abduction and experimentation. It's still just as scary in the 24th century when you work alongside like other aliens, like you got Worf, you got Mott, you got whoever, right? And you're like, oh, fuck, aliens are abducting us and doing probes and stuff on us. And it's against our will. Like, it's just really 
really, really um, awful. Now, Picard is like, can we track their Tetrion emissions? Like, how do we stop this? Like, we have to break this connection. Can we construct some sort of homing device? And Riker's like, I'll wear it. I was like, cool, because like he knows he's like, I've been taken multiple times. Like some people every single night for the past like, four every days. Every night. They, they really like again. him. They, they really, really like they're into him. him. And Troy's just like, um, hold on. One question. <laughs> She's like, what if they don't bring you back? Like they did not bring Ensign Ragger back. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, they're gonna take me whether or not I want to go. So I might yeah. as well rear the homing beacon. Yeah. And it's like yeah. Good point. And Picard's like, great. All right. Well, you're on that. Um, <laughs> right. It's like, I'll what, be in my corner sleeping soundly. Now, <laughs> yeah, I like wonder if they're going to take him regardless. They... Yeah. It doesn't matter. I figured because they've taken him over and over and over again, is it that they're trying to figure out how he's such a ladies' man? Like they're trying to probe to figure <laughs> out what his secret sauce is? That's I don't know. Exactly I was like, what's <laughs> going on? They thought it was in the arms, but it wasn't. So yeah. they have to keep looking. Um, it's just so disturbing. And then for him to just really have such a cool head about it to be like, oh, they're probably going to abduct, abduct me again tonight. So like, I'll wear it, whatever. I'm just, you're just like, it. yeah, you don't feel any kind of way, but okay. So I would, I would feel a lot of ways, but I would also, and I would also be like, keep them from doing this again. Like, what can we do yeah. some force fields? Can I be in sick bay? I don't want to be in my quarters. Maybe it's because the location they can find me or I don't know. I'd yeah. be trying to get out of them taking me back, but absolutely. But right. Can I sleep with you, like Picard? <laughs> I know. Can, you. I, can I sleep in your ready room? Can I sleep with like security around my bed? And they can just shoot their phasers pointlessly at this Tetrion emission. Right. So in his quarters, you know, Beverly gives him a neural stimulant to counteract the effect of the, the sedative that apparently these aliens are using. So in his quarters, he's all caffeined up and he's all stimmed up and waiting for them to take him. And this cloudy portal opens up like at the foot of his bed and just scoops him right off the bed. Like it's like he's on it's it's like he's on a stretcher, like a floating stretcher and just goes right in. It was like, oh, my Space gosh, stretcher. Very Guess cool. what? It's the super creepy clicking. He looks up. He, as Riker, looks up and looks to the bed next to him. And uh, I still get the creeps. Like my skin crawls. There's that woman lying on the nearby bed. Her yeah. eyes are wide open. She's Instant got tubes ragger. coming out of her arm. Yeah, mm. she's either dead or or like just knock out. And I was like, this is the shit that nightmares are made of. Yeah, suddenly we're in a Criminal Minds episode. And we're like, oh, my God. <laughs> somebody call the feds. In like Star Trek Criminal Minds, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, I would totally watch. So, oh my god, on making let's that, do I would it. Watch that show. It's just a um, bunch of like Cardassian and Romulans and stuff. But yeah, dude, I don't even know. I don't even know. I, don't but I would watch care. it to find I out. Would tune in, yeah. <laughs> so um, that tells you something about my psychology. So <laughs> he wakes up and he sees himself in this like Criminal Minds episode, and you're like, holy crap! Like he's he's like strapped down. He's trapped. He tries to pretend to be asleep. When one of the aliens comes over and kind of scans him doing whatever scans they do. And I just thought you're lucky that they didn't just start cutting right into you because you're very much awake. And I think they like loosen his restraints because he's, you know, as far as their, their scans show, he's he's not, I feel like these scans are not effective, but whatever. So, (laughs) so the guy walks away, the alien walks away. And at this point, I really liked how these aliens were so mysterious. All we've seen at this point is like a little bit of a hand which had, mm-hmm. I think, three fingers on it or something. Mm-hmm. But it was very mysterious, which, again, that allu- just like with the clicking and stuff, you're kind of like, who are these aliens? What do they yeah. look like? And you yeah. just, at this point, you just don't know. And I really, really like that because I feel like that adds a nice touch to alien abduction 
Mm -hmm. You don't actually see the aliens when they're fuzzy, when they're grayed out, when they're behind a curtain or a screen, like Mm -hmm. something about that amps up the creep factor. So just from Mm -hmm. like a a filmmaking perspective, I thought that was a really nice touch. Oh, 100%. At this point, we have 14 minutes before the containment field fails and they are going to close that schism whether or not Riker's back. So the, the clock is ticking. He's got his little armband is next to him. And they told him before he went, um, he's wearing like the monitor. They told him before he went, once it starts like flashing red, that's your, that means it's working. The homing signal is working and we know what universe you're in so mm-hmm. that we can tune our sensor, tune our devices to close the, the gap. Yeah. yeah. So basically when you see it blinking, you got like 60 seconds to get out of there. Cause we're going to just start mm-hmm. firing to close that bad boy. So yeah. Riker's like, got it. And I love that it's Riker because, of course, he's going to be like, yes, like, if I'm still in there, close it. Do whatever. It. Too bad. Just do it. Doesn't yeah, matter. do it. And, Doesn't and, matter. And, just do it. Yeah. You know, he's going to go out shooting as well. Like, if he's trapped yeah. in the other universe, he's going to take out as many clicking aliens as he did can. They give him, they did they give him, him a phaser? He had a phaser with him. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Because I was like, that would have been the smart move. Yeah. He had a phaser and he had his little clip on. Because, you know, yeah, he yeah, yeah. usually sleep with a, a phaser, I'm sure. So yeah. he jumps up. Um, and this whole time, I was just like, like uh, this is the part that freaked me out this always freaks me out because they're telling you know we see what's going on in the ship and they're talking about the homing signal and they're like nine minutes left three minutes left mm-hmm. one minute and like riker's like looking around and looking around i'm like oh my gosh you have nine minutes you have three minutes like this is the yeah. part that freaked move, me out i was move, like move. yeah get up grab her jump through the hole who cares about these aliens Hope for the like, best yeah run but thankfully as they start modulating the beam and shooting it into the whatever all the aliens are like, click, 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 like what's going on? And they all run to their monitor, which conveniently makes their backs turned to Riker. Mm-hmm. And they're all trying to figure out what's going on. They're scrambling and pushing buttons. And on the Enterprise, they're like, they're opening the rift even wider. And they're like, close it, close it. And you're like, oh my yeah. gosh, like this well, is if, really if, stressful. If TNG has taught us anything, <laughs> it's that the surest way to fight back against an unknown enemy is just to shift frequencies of your shields to just keep them guessing. They did yep. it with the Borg. They did it with these unnamed aliens. Did you notice, by the way, when all the aliens' backs were turned, um, <laughs> Riker just propped himself up like Cleopatra on some sort of couch, <laughs> like for like five yes, of the minutes. And I was I like, did. "Man, these Can people you are obviously going to turn around and notice you." Like, just at this point, you're not even pretending to be asleep. Just get up so you can like jump, tuck and roll, whatever you need to do, buddy. Don't just be lay ready. there and expect somebody to fan you with a leaf and feed you some grapes for crying out loud. I was like, "What I, are you doing, Riker?" I totally thought that, and I was like, "It was freaking me out." I was like, "Can you please get a move on, buddy? Just but do something." Yeah. Thankfully. You know, he jumps up and he grabs the um the ensign. Mm-hmm. Who I think she's an ensign. Yeah, he grabs the ensign yeah. and you know makes a break for it. And um the aliens start to come towards him and he shoots one of them and he like jumps through the rupture while all the aliens are freaking out about their monitors and the fact that their buddy just got shot. Yeah. And the <laughs> second he jumps through, like the the rift closes. Yep. Like, just in time. And you're like, whoo. And he's like, sick bay, we need your help or whatever. And you're like, that was so stressful. And the the thing disappears. But before it disappears, this little beam of light appears. And beams of light are bad news on TNG. We have not Mm -hmm. had a good encounter with a beam of light to date. We had an an imaginary friend who was like malevolent as a beam of light. I don't think we're doing beams of light right now. No, and we had a a random alien baby that was a beam of light. Like, we we don't do well with beams of light. We don't need, we don't. In it's terms gonna of beam of light, I'm anti. Okay, like I'm just anti beam of light. Yeah, <laughs> if the it was like a little beam ball of light. Or of light. No beam of light. I'm gonna say no. Yeah, it was yeah, like I'm a ball of light. No. So 
So it's like it as the thing closes, this like light, this ball of light shoots out. It flies around the cargo bay and then boom, through the hole and out into space. Yeah. And you're like, was it kind of like a deflated balloon? And you're kind of like, what? Yeah. Sort of flew around. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. Now, as as Riker jumps through the the rift, he lands right in front of Jordy in the cargo bay because that's like where the portal was. Right. Which I don't know why, because if it was floating around just like capturing people, why would it be housed in cargo bay for? But I'm not even I'm whatever. But like he ends up in cargo bay with the lady, and you know the the rift closes right behind him, turns into a ball of light, and off it goes like through the bulkhead and out of the ship. So those aliens were probably like, oh, my God, these humans are, like, violent. They just shot, like, Jeff. Like, let's get out of here. And off they went. Well, here's the interesting thing. That that beam of light wasn't, like, them. They talk about it later on in the observation lounge. What was that beam of light? And they yeah. propose that it's probably, like, a probe into their universe. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. at this point, some sort of it doorway. just looked like a, some weird deflated balloon that went flying around. And, like yeah. I said, we've had only bad experiences with beams of light so far. So it's just, like, what was that? Where'd it go? Can it practically made it? it practically made like a balloon deflating sound effect as it shot around and then <laughs> left. But the yeah. only thing missing from this episode. <laughs> and Guinan, because she would also have answers. Like last week, there's Guinan. Now, Ensign Hagler is dead as a result of their experimentation. So this is now two people who have died. And it's like, geez, Louise. So the lady died with the tubes in her arm. The guy died. With the blood that turned to Palmer. I think that's, I think Ensign Hagler was the woman he picked up and ran off with. No? Or was it just one death then? Yeah. Okay. That was Ensign. So I guess, so I guess. Rager or Rager. It was the same one who was the the comms officer in the beginning when Rager freaked out. It was her. So I think she survived. But the guy, the guy died. At this, at this point, we didn't know he died. We just knew like his blood had all thickened and he went straight to sick bay. And then right now is when we find out he didn't make it. Once he got to sick bay, he died. Yeah, um, Ugh, so awful. and and that's when they were like they were obviously more than just curious. Like they killed somebody. They were more they than killed, curious. Yes. Now, granted, I think that like if let's say I wanted to study a butterfly, right, so I they capture have been curious. They could have been curious, but I might accidentally kill that butterfly that I'm studying by being like too rough with it or not realizing how delicate it is. And it's like I don't have a negative intent. Like I just accidentally killed you. So. I get that, but like, yeah, they but the thing is, like, if you take did. the if you take the butterfly over and over and over and yeah. over and over yeah. and over until That's the true. butterfly stops moving, mm, it seems yeah. really curious. <laughs> Maybe I not. Don't I don't know. So, final thoughts for me: super creepy. I never want to watch this episode again. How about you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so we find just last thing in the observation lounge. We lounge. We find out that they were trying to create. They created a pocket of our universe on their ship. Or in their lab. That's right. That's right. I forgot and about they that, were brilliant. To, yeah. And they were trying to create a pocket of their universe in the cargo bay so that they could come through the rift into our world. And just so take thank people. God that that closed. Yeah. Who knows <laughs> what they want to do? The Who even cares? Yeah. Let's close yeah. that door. You cannot nope, come nope, in. Nope, 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 nope. Get entrance. out the raid and start spraying <laughs> and just spray until they stop moving. Yeah. But yeah, I think this was Flood a really- the cargo bay with um, raid? cockroach killer. Yeah. <laughs> See if that'll do Computer, anything. Flood the cargo bay with raid. Yeah. How much raid? Please specify quantity of Get raid. Get the computer. This isn't the time. Yeah. I know, right? A lot is a lot a metric unit. Yeah. I'm a doctor, not a bug killer. So <laughs> uh, my final thoughts were that I thought this was, um, while in the end, like as an adult looking back at it, it's super creepy. 
I think it is extremely interesting to have an yeah. alien abduction episode on yeah. a show about aliens. Like, mm-hmm. how do they even think of that? I think that's I, just, I think that was just genius. I think that that was actually really, really cool because every time they've met an alien, they try to communicate with it or even with the crystalline entity where like mm-hmm. they couldn't communicate and then they started to and then Danny's mom killed it and all this <laughs> stuff where it's like, you know, the scientist who killed the crystalline entity where it's like, mm-hmm. we always assume that aliens that you meet out there have for the most part like positive intent yeah. so it's like you can set up some lines of communication and even the crystalline like, entity can... wasn't like evil in the end you're like oh it's literally it was just eating, eating. it's it just, was just eating. eating but these ones yeah, it was just, i don't know these ones not so much so this is actually one where i think that like the crew members were just as scared Mm-hmm. Well, more scared, but they were just as terrified as we are watching this episode. Mm-hmm. So it's like there isn't that separation where it's like, wow, first contact with a new alien species. This is like a whole thing. And we got to blah, blah, blah. Nope. They're just straight snatching people and mm-hmm. cutting off their arms and stuff. Like that's ugh. no, 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 no. Nope, nope, nope. That's all yes, I have to say about agreed. That. So that's our final thoughts is nope, <laughs> nope, and more nope. I actually thought they pulled this off like they they were copying X-Files or something. Like maybe X-Files was so popular that they were like, we want to do an X-Files type episode. But no, this episode aired a year before X-Files ever Ooh. aired. So I was like, wow. Wow, major So props. impressed. So impressed. Yeah. yeah. Well, you stuck with us to the end. The wheels came off. We glued them back on with like you know that really glue, cheap perhaps? like white elmer the white elmer's glue that like barely holds anything except like your macaroni art the, but yeah, we did the one it we use for students <laughs> i feel like even the wheels glue. are falling off the the analogy off of the, the anyway yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> so we go from super super creepy to really fun next week we are breaking down season six episode five true q can't wait to do it thank you guys so so much for sticking with us to the end and we'll see you next week bye Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.